1: Hello, welcome to Utabia Terrier, a costume of Stephen Chicken held together by nicotine, energy drinks, adrenaline and two hours of sleep. Joined down the line by David Harchik, who's hopefully feeling a, lo- a little bit fresher than me uh, this afternoon. How are you doing, Dave?
0: Yeah, I'm absolutely fine. I'm absolutely fine. It was a late night for all of us,
1: but uh, yeah, for the very best of reasons. It was indeed, and not as late as it could have been as well, which I think we're all just delighted about. So apologies in advance if I'm a bit meandering or stuttery, but as I say, oof, struggling a bit through the day, but we'll get through it. And if my parents are listening, I don't think my mum does listen. She reads everything and she watches all the town games now. Uh, if she is listening, the nicotine thing was a joke, definitely. So Dave, Huddershill Town 1, Luton Town nil. But the scoreline didn't really tell the whole story of the game, did it? Luton Town firmly on top for what sixty minutes of that game. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, first half, Town was so passive; they were frustrating to say the least. Um, and I, th- I think they were—they got the right opponents in the end because I think, like Nottingham Forest or Sheffield United, could well have, have taken advantage. But Luton are pretty. You know, Luton's big problem is they don't take enough of the chances that come their way and yeah. it, it, Town took the decisive moment and it's a playoff semi-final. They're always settled by farm, fine margins, aren't they?
1: They are. I mean, shout-out to not the top 20 because listening to them a few weeks ago they were when they were previewing the playoffs they did talk about how the last few weeks Luton have, have lost a little bit of that clinical edge that bit of imagination and attack and how that was particularly not helped by Elijah Adebayo's injury we said that, that fitness and injuries could be decisive over these two legs and I think that that was made to tell because it was the the substitutions that made the difference for, for Huddersfield Town we'll come on to that in a few moments, but but sticking with that first half, first of all, Town did, didn't did have labour on the ball. They struggled to get anything going. It was real deja vu for that first leg. I mean, we haven't even talked about the first leg on this podcast, of course, but I think everyone's going to be more interested in the second leg than the first leg. And I think we can probably draw some conclusions about the two games as a whole, but we will concentrate on that, that second leg, let's be honest, because that first leg is a bit of a, a distant memory now but in both games town did struggle a lot in that first half and i think a lot of that came down to the job that luton town did on on john russell in both games uh, in the first leg they really set out to double-team him uh, right from the off. And for the first 45 minutes, Town struggled with that, and Russell struggled with that. There was a spell of 15 minutes in that first leg where he, he, he didn't even play a single pass, which, after how influential he was against Bristol City, you know that that, that was a real, real blow to Hustle Town and the way they tried to approach the game. And it was the same in the second leg as well. He struggled to, to get to grips with the game. But in both legs... We saw a different John Russell in the second half. He was playing much snappier in the first leg, much quicker with his passes, opened up a lot of space for Donnell Sonani and Dwayne Holmes ahead of him. And in this game, he was much more aggressive, uh, I thought, in the second half. He was making challenges much more strongly. He was quicker on the ball as well. And I think... In the final, which town have obviously now reached whoever they play, and we don't know at time of recording. They need to see more of the John Russell they got in the second half of those two games, rather than the the first half of the games, because they they have struggled on the ball when he's been uh, when he's been isolated like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. He he. You. See his inexperience because I think one of his problems is is he doesn't know uh, he's got an excellent eye for a pass, but he doesn't always know where the space is around him. And it's just having that little bit of experience to have that look slightly earlier, so that you know a couple of paces to the side, or just dropping your shoulder, and you're going to find yourself in four feet of space. And I think it's it's interesting that Lutner are a team who. Do their homework, and they they targeted him, and they targeted the space behind Pippa as well. I think the second half he was better, but I, I, I you know I thought he was away off other midfielders on the pitch. If I'm honest, yeah, agreed. Um, and it's such an important position, and what what Town can get trapped into, and what I thought they got trapped into first half of the second leg was have, when you have Hogg... In the middle of the back three, he demands a lot of the ball because it's the midfielder's instinct in him. But the problem is when you've got Russell so close to him, they can often take too many safe options and you don't open out the space in front of them. And that causes everything to be, like I said, a little bit static, a little bit passive. So, yeah, whoever they play in the final, it's it's got to be a bit snappier. It's got to be a bit quicker than that.
1: I think he needs to... It's inexperience, and we're not sort of getting on at John Russell because as we've talked about many times when we talked about him throughout the season, he is a young player learning his trade in this division. It's the first time he's played in these kinds of high-pressure games as well, which, is, which can be difficult for, for even older players than him. So... But I think he, he maybe needs to, you know, both games it seemed apparent that he'd had a word at halftime from Carlos Corbran or from a teammate or from whoever to say, look, you need to do this, this and this. And I think he needs to, just for the final, bear in mind that he needs to be more able on the fly to adapt to, you know, there are times when you don't need the nice, calm, sanguine John Russell. You need, you know, the the more aggressive, combative, edgy John Russell. But you know, we'll not dwell on him any long. You mentioned Jonathan Hogg there. I thought across the two legs, the the back three or back five did a really good job of of keeping Luton's chances to a minimum. Not to say they didn't have chances across the two legs, because of course they did. And as you mentioned, there are a few particularly in the second leg that they didn't take that they probably should have done. There was one that Harry Cornick had that he put it, straight at, at Lee Nichols, who nice little nice reflexes but honestly if Cornick if puts that anywhere else it finds the back of the net but you know that they they did a really good job Tom Lees, Jonathan Hogg, Naby Sarr and, and Levi Colwell uh, across the two legs of, of, of defending that back line uh, I thought the four of them were were really really good in the semi-finals and as was Lee Nichols uh, particularly second leg that's been the basis of everything for Town this season hasn't it
0: yeah categorically and i think that we we said i was i was going back to some of the things we said pre-season actually and we said that town should be sort of relatively comfortable in mid-table just by virtue of the defensive recruitment and i think it's actually taken them a little bit higher than that before you start looking at anything they've added creativity wise or attacking wise so yeah, been absolutely brilliant. And I thought, I think Hoggy's had a little bit of an up and down season, but I think both playoff semifinals, he's been really good defensively. Really, really yeah. good. And having him and Tom Lees there, it's just so much experience. Yeah, Lees was Lees was brilliant first half, went down where anything but last night. And yeah, it just makes such a huge difference, doesn't it?
1: It does. I, I thought Colwell also had a really, really good first half. And I noted that, uh, the fans gave him a much lower rating than than Tom Lee's, which I felt was a bit harsh. Not to say Lee's didn't have a brilliant game. Lee's deserved his rating, but I felt Wills should have been up there. And I was thinking, like, why is that? And I think I think with Tom Lee's, if he makes a clearance and he's made, I think some of what one of the most clearances of any defender in the, the championship this season you know you go well done get it clear whereas I think sometimes Colewell will look to get on the ball and, and play a pass and I think if you, you make a clearance it's like well done and if a player decides to take a pass and it doesn't come off you're rolling your eyes going oh, why have you done that um, and I'm talking about raking long balls there not sort of put you know putting yourself in trouble but I mean, what a season Levi Colwell and Tom Lees have, have both had at the back, and it's a shame Matty Pearson wasn't quite ready to, to play a part in these semis, as you say, I think Jonathan Hogg has, I mean, we talked about it last week, so we won't labour the point again, but Middlesbrough Mascherano, I think this is looking like his best position at the moment, particularly with, with John Russell on the pitch, and um, yeah, just just brilliant defending. Uh, I thought Harry Toffolo had a, a, a good game as well uh, last night. Pippa though, <laughs> not so much. I mean that first first half, and especially the first twenty five minutes, half an hour. There came a point sort of midway through the half where Town, if they'd won a tackle cleanly, would have had a, a clear counter attack from inside the Luton half. And Pippa's tackle was just needlessly, you know, misjudged. And Dwayne Holmes turned around and gave him a right earful. And Pippa was there arguing his case back to Holmes, and in the meantime, Luton passed it up, up his flank, and Pippa had to go running back to get back in position because he'd been so busy arguing with his teammate. And I think that moment kind of summed up the first half that Pippa had. He was he was all over the place.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a frustrating forty five minutes. He was. It's not. I don't think we've got a Hazardian eye level problem but at the same time... His recovery is much better. Yeah, his, his recovery it's only because his recovery gets him out of so much trouble. I, I think the issue with Pippa is at the moment his teammates... I i think it trust is a little bit of an issue because they honestly don't know where he's going to be because, <laughs> I mean, there's been games where he's popped up in the center forwards position that we've chuckled about, Steve. I, I think second half he then got really, really desperate to impress and You know, he decided he was going to try and score from thirty-five yards a couple of times and what have you, and that's that's when
1: everyone else on the pitch was trying to see out the game and keep it in the corner.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's never a great thing either. Um, So, yeah, interesting one from Pippa, to be honest. Interesting display. I think whoever they get in the final, I think whether you play Pippa is is quite a big, quite a big decision, quite a big decision because I wouldn't be surprised. Sheffield, Sheffield United and Nottingham Forest are both intelligent sides and it would make complete sense for them to gamble and just put a man into the space behind Pippa every single time. And that's what other sides have done and it has hurt town when they've put a man behind their wing-backs. So, yeah, I don't know. If if Oli Turton's fit, I think you have to potentially consider just for the, the better defensive mm. shape he gives you.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Pippa made a difference in the first leg when he came on at the break. I think Turton had been quite ineffective in the first half before he went off injured, and Pippa made made a difference. Their play linked up well with Holmes, but I think we're seeing with Pippa this season, um, and he's not played a huge number of games, but he has been more inconsistent than Turton over the second half of the season, and I think, I think if you're just looking for stability and a steady display, I just... I think you've got. I agree. I think you've got to go with Turton. I, I think Pipper on his day offers more, but he also has these weird off days, as he did yeah. last night, and as he did against Forest in particular in the in the cup, which might become pertinent. So, yeah, I, I think I would go with Turton. But yeah, and, and Toffolo. I mean, there was, he got in for a shot um, and probably should have scored. His, his finish wasn't great in the second leg. He, he should have had a penalty given in both both games um, after getting into the box try to get onto those crosses I mean we, we've talked about Harry Toffolo to death after his goal scoring form but you can see his contract situation is obviously still up in the air but you know it was him right in the middle of those celebrations I think half the pictures we've got um, at the post-match celebrations Harry Toffolo's in the middle of them somewhere you can see how much he's enjoying his, himself and how much he's enjoying life at the club and, and long may that continue really Um moving on to to the attacking players unfortunately Danny Ward went down to an injury in the first half of that second leg but Jordan Rhodes came on and you know he gets the winning goal i thought he'd put in a good performance up to that point as well he he was quite canny you know there was a, a moment in the first half where there was a ball over the top and it looked like it was doing nothing and he just did what we've seen Jordan Rhodes do so many times this season where he just sort of put himself in the way of the defender to make sure he couldn't get to it and allowed Donel to to go through on goal. Nothing came of it in the end, but you know he, he he's got such good instincts and he showed that on the way to the goal, getting past Murray Bell and that that finish just looks better every time you see it.
0: Yeah, it really does. We we <laughs> I gave a Sells a pat on the back on the facebook live last night and i'm going to do it again here steve we said at half time with jordan rhodes that the whole point of him being at the club is to come on in late tight games when the ball's getting put into the area and try and get on the end of something and try and try and find a finish and that's exactly what he did and he, he didn't do much else that's the thing but does that really matter you know when you've you've got somebody who can go and do that and in fine margin games, it makes a huge difference. It, it really does make a huge difference, and it was just having the experience to just drift to the back post like that and then gamble a little bit uh, on the defender. There was, yeah, it was proper like old school pure strikers instinct, and it was it was great to see.
1: Yeah, I mean. I don't think there's anyone in the ground, anyone in that side that Huddersfield Town fans would rather have had score that goal either. You know. It's a cliche at this point to say he's the nicest man in football because mm. everyone says it, but they say that for a reason. He really is. Yeah. I mean, you know, look behind the curtain, Dave. But you, you took your daughter to a game, the Bristol City game, and and she got to meet a couple of the players. And Jordan Rhodes really went out of his way to, to make the time, along with a couple, but but especially Jordan Rhodes really went out of his way to take the time and and make the day special for a You know, he's an absolute gent in press conferences. You know, he. <laughs> There was a mirror headline. It's twenty-seven million pound flop. It's like a twenty-seven million pound flop. Who got applauded by the fans of two of the clubs he used to play for? Who spent a lot of that money on him uh, in in Borough and Blackburn? Who both gave him a really nice welcome when he when they went on the away trips there. Um, he's obviously a Huddersfield town icon and. Who'd have thought in 2022 we'd be seeing Jordan Rhodes scoring the goal that sends Huddersfield Town to, to Wembley in the the Championship playoff final? Just just incredible.
0: Yeah, and it was a, it was an eyebrow raising piece of recruitment in the summer. We I we were we had doubts. Well, I I was more
1: well I did more than you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was more pro than you, but I, I completely understand where the doubts were coming from. It wasn't like a sort of a real, wasn't like a massive argument or anything, but he. The thing is, it's it's we we've got to start to frame some of our discussion in terms of the playoff final and what may lay ahead, and who who knows what may lay ahead if 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 Danny Ward's injured and we hope he's not, we hope he's fit and available for the final. It, if they do go up to the Premier League, is Jordan Rhodes a Premier League striker? No, but is he a Huddersfield Town striker right now? Yeah, and that's all that really matters, and. I think that that goal has given him a real uh, sort of touchstone moment from his second spell with the club, which is lovely as well. You know, a a proper emotional, you know, foot cap to it all. And I think that's that's great.
1: Three goals in five for him. And one of those five was sort of the 20 minutes or so that he got at Kenilworth Road on Friday. He's come up big in a couple of big games now. So this game and and the Borough game. Would you, assuming that Danny Ward is fit even... Would you consider starting Jordan Rhodes in the final?
0: It, if if Ward is fit, you've got to start Ward just purely because the way Carlos Corbin sets his teams out Danny Ward is such a huge part of the tactical plan, really, because um, he can do a few different things and play in a few different ways. And I think with with Jordan, it's not that he can't do similar things, but he can't do the same thing. He can't do the same level of closing down. He can't. There, there's various aspects to it that he's just not at the same level. But I I think with Rhodes, I think it it's it just gives you a... Uh, if the game's really really tight and you need to get a poacher on the pitch, you need to get a a penalty box poacher on, you've got the perfect man there. I think if it becomes quite stretched... I think he's got a place in the side. I there's lots of ways to use him, but I just I think if Ward's fit you've just got to start Ward because it uh, the way the way you set your attack whether you play as the two or the three is so pivotal around what Ward does really.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair argument. I mean, to play devil's advocate, I think you could make the argument the other way as I say he's come up big on those big occasions. Those big games, he's. I guess mean, I guess Woods got the experience as well. To be fair to him, of of playing in these games, they played together in in a couple of them, didn't they? But I, I wouldn't particularly object if if that team sheet came out at Wembley and and Jordan Rhodes was on it. You know, um, I, th- I think I think on current form, he's he's got to be worth considering at least. But I mean, Sorba Thomas as well, the other player who came on as a sub. He only got five minutes in the first leg. I do wonder whether, if Oli Turton had got that injury, whether he might have got longer in in that first leg. But he got, I mean, Carlos Corbren was there practically looking at his watch to to wait for minute 60 to tick over, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. So he could get Sorba Thomas on and he did, I mean, you could see how desperate, I think he went over to check with the bench, <laughs> am I coming on yet, am I coming on yet, about two or three times before he came on. You you could just tell he was absolutely gagging to get on that pitch and make something happen. Pointed this out in the conclusions, going off what who scored stats, which come from Opta. Played 11 passes in the game, Dave, in his half an hour. Didn't complete many of them, he only completed five. Of those five, he created... Three goal scorers, three shooting chances, and the goal. And I don't think that even includes Tom Lees's disallowed goal. Just a phenomenal efficiency, and the man that town needed in a game that was looking like getting away from them.
0: Yeah, and uh, like Zanani's set piece delivery is good, but it's Sorba Thomas's set piece delivery is exceptional. That's the margin you're talking about. And it, he looked. He looked like a man on a on a little bit of a mission, didn't he? When he came on. He looked like he wanted to make something happen and he had a bit of a point to prove. And yeah, you, you, if he's fit, then he has to start the final. He has to start the final. And it, if it means... I mean, Town have got some big decisions to make and they've got a nice situation to have. It's always better for a manager to have to leave good players out of the side because he's got too many than the other way around. But... I think whether you compromise Sonani if you want to play the three-five-two or however you do it, Sorba Thomas just has to. He has to start. He just brings so much to that side, yeah. and he has done all season. He's he's their X ex, X factor basically. He's he's the he's the genie they can bring out the bottle when they need to. So yeah, there, there's he he is one of a couple of players in that side at the moment that feels. Irreplaceable when he's not on the pitch, you feel his absence as you did in both legs of this playoff semi final.
1: He's the only real out and out winger they've got, isn't he? Because mm. they've got inverted wingers, you know, like Daniel Sinani and Josh Caroma, they've got players who can play on the wing, like, like Dwayne Holmes. But unless we're counting Rolando Aaron, to yeah, um, Sorbus. Of the the only one they've they've really got and there are there are games when you need that you know that inverted wingers are very popular at the moment and rightly so you only need to look at the you know the goal returns you get out of likes of Sadio Mane and Mo Salah at the highest levels but at this level in particular just uh, an old fashioned winger who's there for for crosses really has a, a a big part to play doesn't he
0: yeah he does he does and I... Like Town have been through a lot of different forms of attack, uh, attacking options and attacking shape and attacking personnel and I think the key thing is that every single variant has tried to include Sorber Thomas in other ways in some mm-hmm. way where as you look like someone like Josh Caroma who it was pretty unthinkable this time last season that he wouldn't play 40 games this season and be town star man. He's struggling to get a look in at the moment, he genuinely is and mm-hmm. that's 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 really testament to how far Sorbel Thomas has come in a year and he may well plateau a bit from here because it, it does happen to young players and it does happen to players after their first season in professional football then you, you've you got, you're being analysed really heavily and there's, there's a proper, often a whole team's tactical plan works around nullifying you more than anyone else but Right now, he—I mean—he gets in every championship team of the season for me. I know he hasn't, which is mad to me. But over the yeah. course of the season, for his actual contribution and his actual importance to the side, I just—I can't see how you can leave him out.
1: Yeah, they picked a wingless system for the mm. the EFL team of the season, and I think if they'd had wingers in that side so but Thomas would have been a, a shoe in really uh, what a breakthrough season I mean yeah, it doesn't really come around too often that you see a player go from sort of naught to 60 as quick as, as that and you know, it's a it's a story that, that's been told ad nauseum, uh, both by us and by the national press because, you know, to go from non league to playing for your country and, and leading the you know, leading your side's assist charts on the way to the playoff final is, is such a wonderful story, but just because it's been repeated it doesn't mean we should lose sight of, of what a brilliant season he's had. Um absolutely brilliant key player for, for Huddersfield Town. A word for Daniel Sinani as well, just to mention that first leg. I thought he was superb throughout that game. Um, really made the difference, and he has been. It was so you know he, he didn't manage to do it on Monday, uh, where I think Luton had seen what he'd done in that first leg and maybe played a bit closer attention to him, but. He was really influential. Got the goal in that first leg, and you know, really op- used the space really, really well at, at times when Town was struggling. He was, he was the only player who was sort of looked remotely like making things happen. We've had the discussion on here before about whether whether you'd keep the Nelsonani and trigger that that option to make it a permanent deal. I think I still sort of stand by. You know, I think it depends on the financials and what else is available. But I think he's he's quietly started to find a bit more consistency and, and just that little extra half level to his game over the past few weeks, I think.
0: Yeah, I had a very interesting conversation with someone the other day who I, I think they were they were right. They probably they would not pay money for Sonani this summer, but if they were offered a loan for another full season, they'd snap their hand off. And that kind of mm. sums him up, the sort of world he lives in, in that when he looks good... He looks really good and it is well worth having him in the team and suddenly it looks like him and so in him and Silba Thomas you've got two players who can change a game. Two players who can make something happen. But when he looks bad, he tends to look can't pass it over ten yards bad. <laughs> it and mm-hmm. they there doesn't seem to be and in between with him, you either get what we've seen over the last couple of games, or you get the complete opposite. And I think it's if if he could find a way to be a Tom Lee's, so just a six or seven out of ten every single game.
1: I, I, More than that for Lee's, I think. Well, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, but you know what you know what I mean. You know the point I'm yeah. making.
1: Easier for defenders, yeah. Yeah,
0: um, but if he could find a way just to find a consistent good level you know play slightly above average so call it a 6.5 every week I think Mm -hmm. most people would snap your hands off but yeah it's a difficult one and if there was that option for another season on loan I think most town fans would take it would take it whereas the signing I think there's one or two who are still unconvinced it's a strange world he inhabits that lad it's a strange (laughs) world
1: I think possibly the only other players that we've got left to mention because I want to make sure we we do sort of give everyone a bit of a a mention, because, you know, over the two legs, I think they've more than deserved it. Lewis O'Brien and Dwayne Holmes, who, you know, they're running, they're dribbling, they're ball-carrying, their ability to find space. I I think we've talked before about, (laughs) and people get hung up on player ratings more than they should, but... Mm. but, um, Lewis O'Brien has games where it's like he struggles to have a massive impact because he gets so targeted. And there's also a six for Lewis O'Brien is maybe (laughs) a seven for anyone else kind of thing. I thought first half, he was the only one who was really getting anything going in the town midfield in the second leg and you know he was driving forward and it was only after half time that Luton came to the realisation that everyone else has done this season which is oh we just need to foul him as soon as he gets on the ball which sort of took him out the game a little bit in the second half but did as you pointed out allow town to get a load of set pieces um, which you know obviously ended up being crucial but you know, in a in a high energy game, you just can't replace the work that Lewis O'Brien does off the ball, particularly when when the game is played at the the tempo that that Luton were trying to play at.
0: Yeah, I, he was. I think Lewis has as he's adapted his game quite a bit this season. I think I think it's this season has laid bare how good he is and how ready he is to to make a move. Uh, to another level and I don't when I say that I'm not necessarily talking about another team I'm talking about just moving into that bracket of championship players even that are considered the absolute best but it's also laid bare that he really needs to get the showpiece stats better goals and assists because his contribution is absolutely massive but he just doesn't he's never the final pass and he's he just doesn't score enough you know for a defender with that energy and the ability to get into the box as he can he just doesn't score enough but I think what he you saw over the last couple of legs is how important he is in just everything else that goes on in the pitch Uh, everything else and whether it's trying to drop deep into a little bit deep into midfield and then trying to take the man on and just break the press that way or whether it's getting up and supporting the attack, you you saw the full you know, you saw the full chocolate box from him really over the last last couple of games. And he's just such a brilliant player that you're right, I think we do take it for granted sometimes. And if he could sort of fine tune, like I say, the, the, the headline acts. The assists and the goals. I again, you know, he walks into the Championship team a year in head, you know, ahead of the name, like John Swift at, at Reading is a he's been a brilliant player and what have you. But I would still go for Lewis O'Brien. It's just that John Swift scores oh, yeah. more goals and gets more assists, and that, that's why he gets into like every team of the year and all that sort of thing. And it should be Lewis O'Brien. But I think I th- I th- go on. I, th-
1: I think I think well, the comparison all uh, I, I've always made with Lewis O'Brien, and I—I I, for the first couple of seasons of Lewis O'Brien. I, I was saying the same thing, which is he needs to add more to his attacking game in the final third because he he we talked we talked a long long time ago about his strange sort of tendency to misplace sort of five yard passes just outside the box when he when he's done all the brilliant work up till that point he he had a moment like that in the first leg where he carried the ball sort of two thirds length of the pitch and the, he had runners either side and he wasn't able to find either of them um, but don't know if he's ever going to be that player you know i i I, the comparison i've always made when people ask me about lewis o'brien who haven't seen him play much and wonder what the big deal is is he's the championship kante and you know he you would say the same things about kante he does everything except goals and assists and i think particularly if if O'Brien ever goes up to the, the Premier League, whether that is with Town or whether he gets a transfer if if Town were not to go up. I think you're going to, I, I feel like he's going to end up playing as Kante did. He's going to end up being seen as a defensive midfielder, which he's not. He's a box to box player like Kante. But I don't know if he's ever going to be that 5 10 goal a season player or 5 10 goal assist player and i think that's fine
0: I, d- I don't know i i would agree with you if he didn't continually get into the right spaces to be that player yeah, that's that's the true. issue it's if if you only the thing about kanté is kanté does score more than lewis and he does assist more than lewis and it's because he picks Kante is more of a player who picks the right moments he's, he's got his decision making It's just absolutely brilliant I think with Lewis I think he's got so much energy and so much drive and he contributes so much to so many areas I think his unselfishness sometimes hurts him weirdly in terms of mm. getting the headlines and getting more adulation and press than he than he does, really. But I think it's worth talking about Dwayne Holmes when you yes. using the word unselfish because, oh, yeah, like two performances over two legs of a playoff semi-final where his his sole role really, has has been to go against his instincts in a lot of ways, A lot of go against a lot of his footballing instincts. And he was, first leg, I thought he was really, really good. And then second leg, I thought he was just such a massive part of basically overcoming the Luton machine, basically, in the end, yeah. uh, with just a sort of metronomic level of, of cover and simple passing and relieving pressure and getting into space. It was just... It it was like a sort of little bit of a lesson in how the basics in football still work, there's a there's a reason why you learn them first.
1: Town won seven tackles over the second leg, and, and he won three of them. So I think that sort of tells you something. He's, you know, he's dribbling is bet. I, I think his dribbling is better than people giving credit for when you actually look at the statistics. You know, he's 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 actually got pretty good numbers, particularly when it comes to uh, dribbles per game but I initially do you know what the first leg I didn't give him the credit he deserved initially uh for which I'd need to sort of apologize to him and it was only it was one of those where it was only on reflection after two. it was like actually do you know what he was much more involved and and much uh more influential than I'd, I'd particularly given him credit for which is uh unusual for me because normally I'm, I'm giving Dwayne Holmes a lot more credit than a lot of people it feels like but I think he's really shown his value. It, it felt it felt to me like these playoffs were a bit of a light bulb moment for for the fans, uh, for for some of his doubters. Because I, I know there have been people who've who've supported him and and are big fans of his, but there have been other people who who've I think have not given him the appreciation appreciation he's necessarily deserved. And I, I feel like these two play these two playoff games. He's really uh, flicked that switch, and and people have gone, ah, <laughs> I get it now.
0: Yeah and first half last night he was the player who he knew like you he was the player who knew they were being wasteful with the ball who knew they were being too passive and was was basically walking around yeah. telling people <laughs> and trying to yeah, get them him and, to him and
1: Lee Nichols wasn't it
0: yeah trying to get them to, to focus and again it's that little bit of experience and it's you look at Dwayne Holmes and you think at some point, if John Russell can get to that level of decision-making and experience, then John Russell is going to be a hell of a player, isn't he? Because if you you could put that into him, if you could just inject him over the course of a single summer, he'd come back, you know, like polished ready to go and it's you look at Holmes and you realise that's where the inexperience with Russell comes in and that's all it is it's not ability it's just an experience and I'm just really really impressed with Dwayne Holmes attitude and the way he yeah the the standard he demands from others regardless of who it is I think is is what you need particularly when you've got Hoggy a lot deeper on the pitch so he can't do that role um so yeah he's he sort of over these two legs he sort of became like a de facto vice captain really for the midfield and attacking players and it was really good to see
1: yeah they've got uh, to be fair they've got loads of really good sort of leader type characters haven't they in that squad with Hoggy and Toffolo O'Brien Leeds Holmes Nichols you know you could piss and you could pretty much have your pick um which is uh, quite a change from, from some of the town sites we've seen in previous years. Um, really good to see. But, I mean, it was just brilliant scenes at the end, wasn't it? I mean, that we went in at half-time and we were all going, it can't get much worse from here. But they, they got better, they found a way, and this is just what town have done. You know, they've had... There have been times this season where they've completely deservedly won, and they got better and better at, at that. Particularly the sort of going into April, April May, they really, really had to work for it over these two games. Though Luton, I mean, I f- for all Nathan Jones has, I think, stopped town fans from congratulating Luton more than they have done Luton's performances over the two legs. If they had gone through, I don't think have fans really could have complained at all Uh, i think he would have had to have said credit to luton for that it was just that inability to take the chances where town did um that that cost them but i mean he loves a moan doesn't he nathan jones should call him nathan moans i reckon um just just come up with that that's (laughs) a yellow steve
0: that's a yellow
1: (laughs) (laughs) um but um you know, it is Huddersfield sort of Town in the final and they've done that by doing, as I say, what they have done at various points this season, which is not play at their best and still come out with the results they wanted.
0: Yeah, and they've got through to a cup final, which is what it is. And it's, Carlos Colrana's got a long time to prepare his team. Like they're there Which by, normally
1: does well for town, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: they're there by rights. I, I honestly, behind the curtain, I've been saying to Steve... For a long time, and we've been chatting about that. Sometimes you, you to to sound like Mel Gibson, not in that way, in another way. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, you've got to you got to see signs. And Town this season so much has has gone their way. Um, there's been a they've been really really good. In some games they've been really, really bad in others and still got results. They've played a lot of teams at the right time. They've had one or two decisions go for them. They've had one or two go against them. But sometimes you just feel like there's a bit of fate involved and it, it did always feel like they were going to get through this semi-final and Luton, as, as good as they are, Luton feel like maybe they were sort of a season ahead in terms of their progress chart and they feel like I don't know it, it, it feels like talking to a few people about Luton that they feel like they'd almost ended up in the playoffs by accident rather than design since
1: that isn't it yeah and
0: it's it's I don't know I I, I think we Town now that they've got a huge huge chance in this playoff final yeah. you you know my feelings off the record on it and I'll go on the record with it I just think that I, I, I feel like Town could well be in, in, I think the narrative of the other two teams, whoever they end up facing, really works in Town's favour, hugely works in Town's favour, I think the big build up, allowing Carlos Corba and lots of time with his team really works in their favour, there's, there's a lot of reasons to feel an awful lot of hope going into this game.
1: Yeah, it will be either Nottingham Forest or Sheffield United. We'll talk about the final in a moment, but first I want to just touch on those scenes at the final whistle. I mean, it was glorious to see, wasn't it? That was such a a big release of three years of misery and frustration. Just everything came pouring out uh, onto the pitch. And those celebrations, it was so, so nice to see Huddersfield Town fans getting the chance to enjoy themselves with, with the players.
0: Yeah, it it was. I mean, you know, nobody likes to see fans on the pits today, Steve. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but yeah, it was it was fabulous and it was I was actually stood next to um Dean Hoyle at the end and had a very brief word with him and he said he felt like the most emotionless man in the stadium because I think he <laughs> was just struggling to drink it drink it in because it was it's been so long since you've seen anything like that and yeah it was just absolutely great and you could see how much it meant to the players the players were absolutely loving themselves weren't they they were having the time of their life for a few minutes there and it's a championship season we don't talk about it enough a championship season is very hard and very long Leave it um, to get to this position and to finish like that. You you can't fall into it. You can't do it by accident. And town have been so good. Um, it's just reward. I think. I, I genuinely think for all the talk about Nottingham Forest, for all the talk about Sheffield United squad, for all the talk about various other teams this season, you can't deny town have been the third best team over a season in that league. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't.
1: That, that's, yeah, that was kind of the thrust of my five conclusions was Town might not have been the best team over the two legs, but you're looking at it over the 48 games of the season, they absolutely deserve to be in that playoff final. So, you know, I don't think you can really say. Fairer than that, uh, Jonathan Ross can't either. But um, you, I mean, t- well, tell us about what about Matty Pearson as well. You told us what Dean Hoyle said. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, they, they were just walking out and uh, one of the best sights of the night was... Matty Pearson unable to fist bump anyone because he was carrying a massive box of Moretti, and rightly so. And they, it was it was great to see because like you've got lots of time to prepare for this playoff final. So these sort of ultra serious managers who don't let their Players have any time to actually stop and think and and really sort of revel in what they've done I think that's absolutely balmy and it was great to see town players actually just just let go last night and you know they will switch back on again it's not like they're gonna they're gonna you know, yeah. go out on the road. If they were playing, weeks. if they were
1: playing, if they were playing the final on Sunday, yeah. you'd maybe go. You'd go come no. on, but
0: yeah, but they've got nearly they've two got, weeks got a week and a half. So you you give them twenty four hours just to realise the scale of what they've done up until this point, and it was just brilliant, brilliant to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will just touch briefly. There's been some accusations of, of sort of a bit of unpleasantness, people throwing stuff at Luton fans and so on, which I don't want to completely ignore. I don't want to sort of dwell on it too long either, but I would just say, you know, if you don't feel you can behave yourselves at Wembley, then then you know, please please consider not turning up because there's no place for for that kind of thing. You, you don't need a lecture from me, and I'm sure everyone listening to this are fans of the highest distinction and taste. Uh, but uh, yeah, come on, I, I give your heads a wobble, lads. But Luton Luton Town are out; they're out the way, and it's Nottingham Forest or Sheffield United next. Who's going to make it, Dave? And who would you... Well, go the other way around. Who would you rather play if you were to fill town? And who do you think is actually going to make it?
0: I I think both sides are capable of beating town. Both sides are very good. Both sides have lots of good players. So it's, it's, again, I think if you're going up to the Premier League, you have to earn it by beating a good side. But I would say... Town have taken four points off Sheffield United, so they would go into that game ultra-confident. And they've had a, a couple of tough games, shall we say, against Nottingham Forest, so mm. that may weigh on their mind a little bit. But I just think it's a one-off. I think everything else goes out the window yeah. for the final. Um, and I think it's often... Uh, the the better team for me, personally, would be Nottingham Forest. And it's only because I, I told you last night, I think they might collapse under the weight of their own expectations. And
1: <laughs> you're not the only person who said that to me. You're the third person to say that to me today, mm. uh, the, including a Forest fan.
0: <laughs> that's what I, w- I was saying about the narrative. I think the narrative will be so driven if Forest get there around Forest and potentially Forest being back in the Premier mm. League. It, like that, just suits Town down to the ground, really, and. I think if Sheffield United are there there's a very different narrative around, you know, a repeat of, of Town and Sheffield United for one thing and there's there's other there's various other levels in there but it wouldn't be quite the same as if Forest get there, let's be honest. Sixty percent of the press coverage, as a minimum, is going to be from a Forest angle yeah. in the build-up to that game, and I think that really suits Town down to the ground. And I think
1: that fans won't like it, but yeah, we know that. I mean, you saw the players' Instagram accounts last week where they're all posting four four twos season predictions mm. with it all Town in twenty seconds,
0: and like Forest have they have. Uh, a... <laughs> They have a playoff hang up They have an issue with the playoffs, like mentally. There is no, and I know it's a different team, different management team, and everything else. But sometimes fans pass it on to players, and uh, yeah, they they are almost. Uh, there's desperation there, I would say, where there is there isn't with Huddersfield Town because if they don't go up, it's still been a phenomenal, unbelievable yeah. season. So it's not like. It's not like losing the playoff final, as devastating as it would be for a couple of days, but then you have to look back on it and go, yeah, it's just incredible that we were actually there. Whereas if Forrest get to the final and they don't win it and they don't go up, I think there'll be a small implosion over the summer and that's the difference, you see.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I'm in two minds about whoever, regardless of who they play, I think they've shown the resilience, they've shown the spirit, determination the f- defensive ability the experience they've got at, uh, at these kinds of games all of these things absolutely true absolutely spot on and you're right I don't think there's any manager you would trust more to, to spend nearly two weeks with his players and get them prepared for a game like this keep everyone focused keep everyone on task make sure everyone knows their jobs make sure everyone has done their homework more than Carlos Corbrand at this point my only concern really is in both legs it did seem like the occasion to town a little bit and Carlos Gorbran even sort of admitted as much after the first leg saying he he felt it took his side a few minutes to to get used to sort of the atmosphere of the occasion and and the emotions of the occasion was was the term he used and for me I think almost that translates to to, you know pressure or, or however else you want to put it. So, my only concern is, we have talked about how Luton were lacking that clinical touch and have done for maybe the last few weeks, couple of months of the season, but I think if Sheffield United or particularly Nottingham Forest come up against a town side that plays like that in the final... Town could find themselves behind. I don't think they're going to be quite as wasteful, mind you. I say that Forest wasted a load of chances against Sheffield United, but uh, I don't think they're going to be quite as wasteful as as Luton were. And I think they just need to be. They've had those couple of games now in front of those very high octane crowds, and I would just hope that they can learn from that now and take that, particularly the younger members of the squad and the more inexperienced members of the squad who haven't been in these situations before. and know how to cope with that better now at Wembley
0: yeah I think what's what's quite interesting is I think there's such a contrast opponents wise in that if it's Sheffield United I would expect it to be pretty tight and cagey throughout um and it's I wouldn't say it's the flip of a coin but it's going to be a very very close game you would uh, you would back extra time in that game for sure if it's Nottingham Forest, the f- the one thing you know is for half an hour they're going to throw the kitchen sink at you, they're going to attack with a six, they're going to just go absolutely fireworks and roller coasters for at least the first half an hour, so two very very different challenges and that's why I'm saying I think the best thing Carlos Corbyn can do is just let them celebrate and give them today off because you just can't set up for anything until you know who you're playing and it's he said last night in the press conference to us that he was going to watch the game tonight as a fan. And I think that's what we're all going to do, isn't it? It's, it's nice just to think whoever, whoever comes out of it, has got a hell of a job to get past Huddersfield town. And that's, that's the thing. Not not worth understating.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I think good feelings all around, really. Um, as I say, just just really nice to see. I mean, it's been so so nice. Mel Boo sent me a lovely message after the game saying, you know, <laughs> I, I deserved the trip to Wembley after after the last three years, uh, and I was I wasn't even there for anything but the the last seven games of the Premier League season. So I can only imagine what it must have been like for the fans. Um, I'm just delighted for them. That's exactly what Carlos Corbrand said as well. And, you know, we've we've not talked about Col- Corbrand much here because we've we've waxed so lyrical about him over the previous few weeks. I'm not sure we've really got anything new to say. But, you know, massive, massive credit to him, massive credit to his coaching staff, to, to Lee Bromby, to Deed Hoyle, to everyone at the club. Uh, the recruitment team everyone because this season's just been absolutely unbelievable so memorable um and even if they end up falling short as you say I think you know everyone will look back fondly on the 2021-22 season and will be desperate to get the next season underway personally for me as well yeah. <laughs> finishing the season at the end of May and only having two months of the summer is lovely because I don't particularly relish doing uh two months of of transfer rumors i like it when there's games but uh, that's just me so um no really looking forward to the trip to Wembley i've ordered myself a new suit um, <laughs> and um no i i'm really looking forward to it i mean these next 12 days are going to feel like 12 years <laughs> aren't something <they? laughs> yeah but
0: this is this is what this is what you're a fan for, isn't it? This is you just revel and and just lean into it. The thing I would say, if town fans, it's it's almost impossible, but you just just try and embrace the nerves a little bit because it's not that the game doesn't matter or anything like that. But it really is a cup final and it can go either way. So you just just being it's there is good nerves, isn't it? Yeah, just being there is incredible and try and turn those nerves into a little bit of excitement, if anything.
1: Yeah, I mean we can get nervous sort of on the day of the day before, but I think. The next week or so, just yeah, just just try and enjoy it, it as much Leaning as you can. To yeah, it. absolutely, absolutely. Make sure uh, every Lili. Leeds fan that your work knows about it. Yeah, if it's uh, Sheffield United, Lee Nichols to score the winning penalty. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that would be a goal for all of narrative.
1: <laughs> uh fantastic i mean we, we've talked the final to death uh already really there um i think we can probably talk about the final more next week obviously once we know who it is and we can run through some of the specific threats and and do more of a, a preview show and and get get brady frost annoyed at us by uh doing a much more thorough job than, than he does on his dreadful. No, I'm, I'm joking. It's a brilliant show. The the the, the warm up show uh, that they do on Andy takes that chance. Uh, big fan of it, so check that out as well. Because I'm sure they'll be doing their own coverage on that. Um, big shout out to to Andy takes that chance. Actually, you have been working so hard throughout the season to get that fan coverage out there. I think between sort of takes that chance, HCSA, Cowshed, Loyal, Smile a while, um, Terrier blog. I think there's some, uh, Terrier Spirit I should say, there's uh, some really good fan content out there um, and, and Town fans are, are really spoiled and we're all right as well I reckon. But um, yeah we'll we'll do a, a more thorough preview I think when we know the opponent next week uh, and maybe we'll have a little Q&A section as well as part of that Dave um, yeah. to, to help us fill that up.
0: Yeah definitely definitely but never forget that Town are in the playoffs because they are Simply the Best, drop drop it in there, Steve. Tina Turner, drop it in there.
1: I don't think we have the rights. You oh, I've turn asked to me for one the...
0: musical cue in three years of doing this lousy podcast, and you can't even give me that.
1: I'll see if I can find like a rubbish MIDI version or a Mario Paint Bit version a, or something. Yeah, elevator music. Yeah, yeah, then it won't get picked up on the uh, DMCA and we'll be all right. You turned to me at the Bristol City game and said that song's awful. <laughs> what, Simply the Best?
0: Yeah, it's dreadful. Yeah. I think it's one of the worst rubbish, songs it? ever committed to any sort of recording equipment of all time. It's Ugh. dreadful. What,
1: what we what we're gonna rhyme best with? Uh, rest. Yeah. Yeah. Fine.
0: Yeah. Awful. Terrible. And anybody who likes it should be ashamed.
1: I like the horn section. Have a bit about like uh, songs with caveats. So it's like you're simply the best. Better than all the rest. Better than anyone.
0: Yeah. And
1: anyone, I, I, anyone I've ever met, I like.
0: <laughs> I like that they also went right. Video for this song. What we're going to do? Turner Beach Horse. Done. <laughs> That's
1: it's just like lazy, lazy. Fantastic. We should start a music podcast, Dave. But until that day, you're stuck with us on Andy takes that chance. We'll be back with you next week uh, if we can contain our excitement. Thank you for joining me, Dave. As usual, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. See you.